And it's our opponent today, New England Patriots, who pulled it off. I can't hardly even say that correctly. Yeah. Uh, they, they pulled it off. They were behind by 25 points, and they came back to win in overtime. Uh, here's the play that won the game. It's going to set up first and goal from the two. 19! Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! And they're going wild, you know. The fans are going wild. When the score was 28 to 3, uh, little hope. Fans are downcast. They're wondering why they spent all that money. They bought the jersey. They're trying to figure all that out. There's a state of gloom and doom hanging over the stadium. But when the comeback is completed, party, celebration. They're going wild. This is like the feeling when things are not working out in friendships and family relationships. It can seem like uh, a comeback is impossible, um, maybe from an offense or a misunderstanding or when you've been done wrong. It's very, very gloomy. But when we reconcile, it's time to party. It, it's just such a good feeling when we are able to reconcile. If you look forward to the party, you're more likely to be patient and work through the difficulties to handle things because that party is really good. We've been looking at God's playbook for relationships in this series. Uh, these guide us uh, and they show us the way to relate to each other. And this is what we use as our playbook here at Church of the Valley. In our relationships, they come directly out of Scripture. Uh, it's what God laid out for us in the Bible. Um, and these are plays that when, when you're in situations, different scenarios with others, uh, and things crop up or you wonder what to do next, they, they guide you. They, they're, they're playbook that we, we try to get in our heart and mind and then step out to do them. Um, today's play that we run over and over again is play number four uh, in our Proven Playbook. It's Peace If Possible. Uh, if you're a sports fan, you know the feeling when your team gets behind, it looks hopeless, it's a downer. You might even leave the stadium. Actually, I leave the stadium typically around the seventh inning in a baseball game. I'd probably leave it early in a football game because I can hear it on the radio anyway. Get home, I beat the traffic that way. But it's a downer when, you know, it's, it's just not going well. And we've all been in relationships, friendships, family relationships, when things go terribly wrong. It's not turning out the way you'd hoped. There's a need for a comeback. You get hurt. What you hoped would be sweet turns sour. And now you've got a choice to make. Do I leave and move on, walk away, or do I hang around and try to work it out? It's quite normal for things to go wrong. 
it, it, it requires patience and endurance to work through the difficulties, just like it takes time for a team to come back from a huge deficit. The typical response is to write off the relationships. In contrast, when, what we aim to do around here is patiently work to clear things up when relationships are messed up. It's, it's helpful to remember that comebacks don't happen all at once. The, the one from Super Bowl 51, the Super Bowl stunner, uh, <clears throat> it took from the, it took the end of the third quarter, the fourth quarter, and overtime to win that. That, that's, it, it, it didn't materialize in one play. It takes time. It requires patience. The Bible gives us a great deal of direction on making peace. And if we don't run the plays in God's playbook for handling conflict, dealing with offenses, misunderstandings, our relationships don't have a prayer to come back. Kind of like they don't have... You know, they, they call that, that pass at the end of the game where it's just desperation. They call it a Hail Mary. <laughs> and our, our relationships just don't have a prayer to come back. If we don't follow God's playbook, but if we follow through and do what God says, just like a comeback Super Bowl win, we, we can celebrate the joy that comes from doing God's will God's way. There's a tremendous amount of joy. There's a lot of celebration in it. Comebacks take time. There's tension, and we have to expend a tremendous amount of emotional energy to see them happen. For me, I get motivated to do hard things when I see the benefits that flow from doing those hard things. Uh, So before we dig into God's direction on what to do uh, when a relationship needs a comeback, I'd like to share some benefits of pursuing peace. What you find in the Bible is that making peace has many benefits. First benefit that I'd like to mention is blessing. We say bless you when someone sneezes, and we don't often think about what that means. But what it means in the Bible is you're happy, you're fortunate, things are going well. You have a general sense of well-being. That's the blessing that comes from doing things God God's way. Our friendships and family relationships, they have a tremendous impact on our well-being. <laughs> if they're not going well, then life isn't really going well. And it's so easy to make war, to get offended, to refuse to forgive. Then rehearse the hurt in your heart. And the resentment turns to hatred. It's easy to do that. That comes naturally. We don't have to work on that. That just, that's the way it flows. But boy, does it make life miserable. Whenever you make peace, favor comes on your life. So the Lord says in Matthew 5, 9, this is Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Being a peacemaker reflects the heart of God. That's, that's what it's like to be in his family. The blessing actually rests on the peacemaker, those who make peace. Being a peace, peacemaker, being a pacemaker, 
I may need one soon, I don't know. (laughs) Being a peacemaker is also a source of delight. Whenever there's an offense, it can eat away at your insides. The opposite is true as well. When you make peace, it, it opens things up and life is good. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. This isn't talking about siblings. It's talking about our relationship. There's a sense in which here in the church we're the family of God, and there's also a sense we're really connected to all human beings. And it is so good when we're working together as a team and there's peace and unity. The Hebrew word for pleasant can also be translated sweet here in this passage. Whenever there's harmony in people, with people, they're getting together, they're working, they're pulling together, there's a sweetness, a delight, and a refreshment. Also, future good is in store for people who pursue peace. James 3.18 says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Righteousness... If you're planting seeds of righteousness, you're making peace. Your future looks good because there's going to be a whole crop of good stuff. Peacemakers are doing life in such a way that causes good to sprout up. What comes out of their lives is the good stuff. We tend to think that the way our relationships are going right now is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. Do you ever think that? It's like, oh, this is, this is horrible. And I'm sentenced to the life that reflects this misery. But if you pursue peace, you're planting good seeds that will bring a harvest of tasty fruit in the future. Finally, making peace leads to a good conscience. We, we don't always pay attention to that. It's not talked about in our world very much. We don't appreciate the value of a good conscience. Uh, But there are at least two benefits. There are many more, but there are at least two benefits. First of all, love flows from it. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Uh, Our conscience is that internal voice that accuses us of wrongdoing. If you know you've done wrong and you refuse to take steps to make it right, your love arteries get clogged. You, you don't really, you, you don't look out for the best interests of the people around you. That's, that's what it really means to love. You're, you're looking to the interests of others and you're caring for them. You're trying to meet their needs. You don't show love to people if your conscience is bothered because You're working really hard to justify what you've done. If there's conflict and misunderstanding between you and somebody else, you avoid them. You don't show love to them. But a good conscience is fertile ground in which love grows. A clear conscience also provides protection from spiritual disaster. 1 Timothy 1, 18-19, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy. Paul's talking to one of his protégés in the ministry, uh, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you wage the good warfare. 
holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. If your conscience is accusing you and you're not responding to it, you're not doing anything about it, you're on a slippery slope. You start finding ways to try to soothe your conscience without admitting wrong and without getting it straightened out with others, and you start to dance around sin and wrong. This is not a happy dance. It's a dance. It is not happy. If this is your pattern, you slide further and further away from the life God wants for you. And so Paul makes clear conscience a very high priority. Acts twenty four sixteen. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Gaining a, a clear conscience is an incredibly painful process. It is it is it is not fun. It it really oh but it is so worth the efforts because of the benefits that flow from it. It's pretty much impossible to walk through this world without offending people. Uh, I can think of a couple times I've offended people this week, primarily my wife, because she's in close range. (laughs) Some people are easily offended, but most of the time we're prone toward behavior that is hurtful and offensive, and often those who experience the most hurt are those closest to us. Why is that? They're in close range. They're right there. They're in range of being hurt, so husbands hurt wives, wives hurt husbands, family members hurt family members, close friends hurt other close friends, people you work with closely hurt people around them. They're in close range. This is what happens. It's because it's the way we are. This is normal, hurt occurs. Hurt is normal. And in the world's way of thinking, hurt is often the end of relationships. There's, there's no coming back. It, it doesn't look good for the relationship. But Jesus wants us to live differently. Christ followers take initiative to clear up relationships. C.S. Lewis was a major Christian thinker. During the last century, his books and ideas are still very helpful and very popular. And here's what he said about forgiveness. We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful ideal until we have to practice it. (laughs) Because practicing it is so painful. It really hurts. If someone doesn't take initiative... To clear up messes that we make or others make, it gets ugly fast. It doesn't take much time to slide down that slope. Each of these messages is tied to one of our hard attitudes here at Church in the Valley uh, in this Proven Playbook series. It's the covenant. The hard attitudes describe our relational values and the covenant that you commit to as a member here at Church in the Valley. Um, next week, just heads up, there's three. We're wrapping it up with the last three hard attitudes that relate to 
how you relate to the whole church as as at large. But um, these hard attitudes come straight out of the Bible. They help us grow away from patterns that hurt and damage relationships. And if you learn to practice them here, they really bring God's blessing in every arena, every circle in which you relate. Hard attitude number four is clear up relationships with others when they're messed up. I'd like to watch a smart smartphone video testimony together. Uh, if, if you would, uh, this is from Jen Tang. She's leading a group this spring on Mondays at 7 in Ontario Ranch. She's going to share how Church of the Valley has encouraged her in this hard attitude and some of the benefits she's experienced by living it out. In my time at CIV, um, and hard attitude number four is clearing up relationships. And um, as I thought back through just the years that I've been at CIV, the consistent pattern that I've experienced, whether serving with people on teams or people in leadership over me, or just relating to friends has been as people have just misspoken or misstepped in the way they acted or um, done things that they knew were not glorifying to God or didn't line up with scripture. What I've experienced time and time again is that I've gotten a call or um, an email if it was really late at night um, or the next time I've seen them, they've just pulled me aside and said, you know what, when I did this, that was not right. And I need to ask for your forgiveness Um, And what that's done is not only has it been an incredible model, it's made relationships feel clear and and really enjoyable. And it's freed me up to feel like this is really right and normal. And um, I've gotten to grow up in a culture where I've gotten to see how much joy it brings in relationships. Um, Personally, for me, it's it's affected my relationships across the board, outside of those friendships and whatnot, just in marriage, um, it's been a real help. Um, my husband and I have talked time and time again about how we can't imagine, apart from Christ, how people navigate marriage because it would just seem to be this buildup of offenses. And what do you do with them? And how do you just shake them off or forget them? Or what do you do? And so it gives the ability when we choose to do what's right and go to the other person and say, you know what, I. I was out of bounds there. I I was wrong there. Um, I shouldn't have said that. I know that was hurtful or whatever it might have been. And will you forgive me? Um, And it's just brought a real joy and a real peace to relating in marriage, um, especially when things are hard. Um, I've also experienced this um, as a real blessing at work. Um, Because of the model I've gotten to see here and seeing, like, God actually means that I do this everywhere, which was really hard for me for a long time. Like, can't I just do it with my CIV friends that know that this is what we do? Um, but I experienced several years ago at work where I was um, complaining to my vice principal and principal about something they were implementing. And as I walked out of the office, I just felt like God was saying, that was not right. And so I had to go back and say, um, I need to ask your forgiveness. I... Um, was not a joy to lead, and I really want to be a joy to lead, and I don't want to complain, and so I need to ask, that was wrong, can you forgive me? And they did, and what what immediately happened was I felt like there was not something I needed to now make up for. (laughs) There was, relationship was clear, 
And as we've had children over the last few years, um, this has been a help in mothering because many a day do I speak too quickly or um, act too rashly, and I have to go back and say, that was wrong. That's not how what would have pleased God in that situation. I need to ask your forgiveness. So Lord willing, um, because of what I've experienced at CIV, not only are my relationships really sweet when I choose to do this, but Lord willing, my daughters will have relationships that are also really sweet. So there it is. Uh, there, there are tremendous benefits in every circle in which you relate if you take the initiative to clear things up, if you set your heart to make peace if possible. I'd like to wrap up the message by showing some general guidelines for seeking peace. I'd like to look at how to take initiative to clear things up by using two different scenarios. And in any scenario, if you've offended someone or you've been offended or you're not sure what's going on, start by asking God to help. Start, start here. Pray and ask God to help you clear things up. He, he can help you untangle the knot. He can give clarity for how to move forward. If you're a Christ follower, Jesus is your quarterback. And it's interesting. When relationships are messed up, he makes a handoff to you to take the initiative to clear it up. Let's walk through some scenarios. Scenario one, you've, you offended them. Here's what Jesus says about dealing with wrongs done to others. So if you're offering a gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. It's such a high priority to Jesus that you have clear relationships that if you're at worship and you're going to give your offering and you remember, oh, I, I, I offended them, you, you leave your gift there and you go get it straightened out, then you come back and offer your gift. Here's a pattern that helps me. I'd like to just share a pattern with you that helps me when I know I need to clear something up. Um, first thing I usually do is, oh God, please help me straighten this out. And, and help me choose the painful humility to do that. <laughs> because it always hurts. Then I pray and think through until I can name the wrong specifically. This is a painful part. Because I usually have a wrestling match on the inside going on. Because I'm really good at justifying my actions. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And my pride always takes a blow and it never wants to take the blow. It, it helps me as I'm wrestling with this to look at lists of wrongs in the Bible and ask God to show me what I've done. You'll find lists of wrong in Ephesians 4, Galatians 5, uh, Colossians 3, just to name a few. Um, but that really helps. Once I can name the sin, because I can be really squirrely on this, I can say, well, you know, if that offended you, then, or, I, you know, I'm really sorry that I sort of did this. Um, I, I could be squirrely, but once I can name the sin, and I've dealt with it before God, I go directly to the person I've offended and ask forgiveness. 
when I did this, go ahead and name it, call it what it is. When I was harsh in my tone, when, when I gave you the cold shoulder, whatever it is, when, just call it what it is. Go directly to the person and ask them to forgive you. It was wrong. That was wrong. Will you forgive me? Make restitution if needed. Sometimes we need to pay people back or replace something that was damaged or maybe you borrowed something, didn't return it. Don't hesitate to do that. Forgiveness is no substitute for restitution. Uh, If they forgive me, I thank them. If they don't forgive me, I leave the matter to God. Romans 12:18 says, "If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all." You can't always arrive at peace because there are two people in the in the equation. But from your side of it, you do all that you can do to clear it up. This gives you the clear conscience. This is what God commands Christ followers to do. Some people get tremendous energy from unforgiveness. It's negative energy. It's damaging energy. But they just won't let it go. On your end, you do all you can. Here's another scenario. Uh, You're offended. If you're offended and you're trying to let it go, you're trying to forgive someone, but you can't, or the pattern is just really damaging. It's hurting their relationship to you. It's hurting them in other relationships. You start to resent them. You need to talk it out. Guess guess who Jesus gives the handoff to in this scenario? You offended them? Definitely makes sense. I get the handoff. They've offended you. He gives you the ball. And you got to run with it. You take initiative. He gives the handoff to you. Here's what he said in Luke 17, 3 through 4. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Hmm. If someone has a pattern of wrongdoing toward you, you need to talk it over with them. If it's a one-off or normal offense, let it go. Just forgive. Go ahead and forgive. But if there's a pattern and you're wrestling with it, you can't let it go, or for their good, you need to talk to them, then you do that. The goal in the conversation is forgiveness, restoration, to clear things up between you and the person who's offended you. Here are some suggestions. Uh, pray and think through. Remember, start here. Pray and ask God for help. <laughs> but pray and think through this specific offense. Now, usually when I'm angry, the, the offenses just start flowing. You know, <laughs> it's like it's really easy to just think about the conversation I'm going to have and I'm going to just... <clears throat> Let them have it. I'm going to just come out with my list. What I try to do is I try to write 
if I'm really worked up over this thing, I try to write out everything I'm thinking. I try to write it all out, and I try to narrow it down to one core thing, to one or two, maybe two, but one or two core things that I need to talk to them about. This way, they're not just overwhelmed with... uh, all that I have to say, but you have to be careful because you're handling dynamite. <laughs> this conversation, it could be explosive. So you, you do all that you can to make it a good conversation. Um, and then ask them if you can talk privately. You don't want to do this in public. You don't want to talk it through. Explain the pattern you've seen. And how it's been hurting the relationship. Just just lay it out there. If they ask you to forgive them, let it go and forgive. That's actually what forgiveness means. To forgive literally means, in Scripture, it literally means to send it away. I just, I just send it away. That's what I do when I forgive. So you let it go. Let it go. If they ask you to forgive them, let it go. If they don't ask forgiveness, forgive them anyway. (laughs) Jesus said, you must forgive. And in in the Lord's Prayer, he as we're praying, one of the things he mentions is you need to forgive those who have sinned against you. This is this is what we do. We find the ability to forgive, not based on the the worthiness of the person we're forgiving, but based on all that we've been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. We know what he's forgiven us of. And so we forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. You're not saying, you're, what you're saying is, I'm not going to make you pay for this anymore. I'm not going to hold you accountable. You, you say this before your emotions feel like that. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a matter of will. Uh, there are actually there are two aspects of forgiveness. One's decisional. You can actually make a decision to forgive somebody. The second one is emotional. That takes a lot of time. It's... We, we make the decision to forgive because Jesus has forgiven us so much and he commands us to forgive. This is why we can do this command. Because it's a decision that we're making in our heart and mind. We decide to forgive. We decide to let it go, to send it away, not to make them pay. That can happen in a moment, but emotional forgiveness takes time. I'm not going to hold this against you for another moment. We can decide to do that, and we can rein in our attitudes, our actions, the cold shoulders. We can rein that in, but, boy, the emotions are just stirred up. In Luke 17, Jesus says, you must forgive them. You you can find strength to do this by remembering all that God has forgiven you. 
if you forgive, <clears throat> you're making a commitment to refuse to hold a grudge. Don't, don't go back and rehearse the pain. It, it starts up. The pain, it, it wells up. The emotions come back, and you start to go there. Don't go there again. Change the playlist. Switch to another one. Here's a meme. To heal a wound, you need to stop touching it. Whenever you're hurt by someone, you can develop a grudge that you carry around in your pocket. When the hurt comes to mind, take it out, pet it, feed it a little bit. It grows a little, and then you put it back. If we never forgive, it grows and grows and grows. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We keep feeding and petting it, and it becomes familiar. Whenever you, whenever you forgive, you deal with judge, uh, grudges differently. You take it out of your pocket, and you stick a knife in it. You shoot it dead. It's done. That's what it means to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't depend on forgetting. Your memory's too good. But you make the decision to forgive, and when the emotions start coming back, they start welling up, you refuse them. You change the playlist. You start thinking about what God would want you to think about. You reject it and declare your forgiveness again. You switch playlists. If you forgive, you can walk with people in relationships, not just for days or months, but for decades. This can set you free because unforgiveness provides prison walls that we need to break out of. Jesus has shown us how. He, he has broken us free from the prison of sin. And he's shown us how. He's been careful to show us how to make that forgiveness, that freedom, a reality in our lives. Why, why drag, drag grudges with you into the future? Why, why? Stop, stop it. Stop taking it out and petting it, nurturing it, nursing it. Stop touching the wound. I hope this has been a help today. Uh, this is part of our proven playbook here. Jesus said this is his way. This is the way followers of his operate. And it really works. It's created a different atmosphere around here. I know that many, many families who have decided to follow Christ are experiencing the joy of this as well. As we wrap up, and the worship team joins me here on stage, would you consider taking one of these next steps this week? My next step today is take initiative to clear things up with. Write in a name. Maybe, maybe someone's come to mind as I've been speaking this morning. Another step would be to refuse to harbor resentment any longer towards. Just refuse it. Let it go. If you can't, if you can't let it go, take initiative to talk it over. Go to them and talk it over. And then another step would be to sign up for a topic group. This is, the groups are where we have the opportunity to learn how to do these things. They're really helpful. So we, we run our playbook in the groups and we learn how to, how to do that. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we thank you so, so much for your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy, God. You, you do not give us what we deserve, the punishment we deserve, but you poured out your grace on the cross and your mercy. Thank you for what you've done. Help us, God, as we learn to follow you more and more to uh, live out your forgiveness with those around us, the grace and mercy that you poured into our hearts. May we be a channel of it to others. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.